All right, we're going to pick it up in part two here of chapter 39, right where we left off, where Fitz and Night Eyes were waiting for Will to cross over to the skill pillar so they could catch him. Night Eyes and I leaped after him. We were agonizingly close behind him. I ran fast, but the wolf ran faster. And Will fled the fastest of all. At the moment when his reaching fingertips brushed the pillar, the wolf made a final spring. His front paws slammed into Will's back, sending him headfirst toward the pillar. As I saw him melting into it, I cried out a warning to Night Eyes and gripped his fur to drag him back. He seized one of Will's calves as Will was snatched away from us. At the moment that his jaws closed on Will's flesh, the dragon's shadows swept over us. I lost my grip on the world and fell into blackness. And here he talks a little bit about tales of heroes who have wrestled dark foes in the underworld. He says, There are few told of those who have willingly entered the dark unknown to rescue friends or lovers. In a timeless moment, I was offered quite clearly a choice. I could seize Will and choke the life out of him, or clasp night eyes to me and hold him together against all the forces that tore at the wolf's mind and being. It was, really, no decision at all. And so night eyes and him emerge relatively unscathed on the other side of the pillar in the stone garden. Right. And Fitz has given up this chance to kill Will right here. I think it's really big because I'm not sure beginning of this book Fitz would have given up the opportunity even to save Night Eyes. I think he would have been too blinded by hurt and rage and pain. Been a tough call. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it's hard because they are linked and they are skilled partners. So like. Wit partners. Know. Wit partners. Sorry. I, I guess they partners. are in a, I guess, a skill joining at one or two points, but. <laughs> But yeah, so it's really interesting. But I, I am glad that Fitz chooses to stay with Night Eyes instead. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this as I read this description that Fitz holds Night Eyes together tight and keeps him as he is. He keeps him inside himself. And it kind of gave me a reminder of the imagery of when B is taken through the pillar with Dwalia. And Night Eyes' voice tells her to be small like an acorn. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if this is the knowledge that Night Eyes is pulling from to help. Yeah, that's a good call out. Yeah. So just a little thought I had because Night Eyes actually has traveled through the pillars and the way that he was kept was by Fitz keeping, holding him together and keeping him small against him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Interesting. Well, they emerge from the other side of the pillar, and Night Eyes is feeling sick and like he's poisoned. He says, the whole world sways. Fitz basically just says, hey, just lie still, breathe, relax. And as Fitz's gaze is returning, he sees not only Will, but most of Regal's new coterie. Most of them were still breathing hard, and one gave a shout of alarm at the sight of him. And they are kind of surrounded now. Yeah, not only by the coterie, but also by some pharaoh guardsmen. 
So not even just the people that they were fighting before. Now they also have to deal with some soldiers, soldiers that are not expended in any way. And Fitz thinks the best thing to do now is to run, that they need to go back through the pillar. And Night Eye says, I cannot do that, but do what you must. Mm-hmm. Fitz says, that's not Pack. He lifts the sword and he's ready to die. He says, I was glad the fool had not told me. I was probably I probably would have killed myself first if that's how he knew he was going to die. Right. With, I mean, facing down 20 people, that's very scary. With Will there? Right. Uh, worst nightmare. Also, mm-hmm. it's probably more than 20 people and all of them have swords. I don't know. That's a lot. Will orders them to just kill him. We wasted enough time on them anyways and turns to uh, a different coterie and says, you third coterie, you told me a finished dragon could not be wakened and made to serve. Well, I've just seen an unskilled fool do that very thing. You will find out how it was done. You will begin now. Let the bastard test his skill against swords. So he's pulling the coterie away and it's just mainly going to be swords against him. Right. Um, I will say that it is Regal speaking through Will, not just Will barking these orders. Right. So well, Regal's return. Regal did flee. Does it say that he came back? Regal turned Will's ah, back to me. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it is Regal here. Barking, barking his orders, of course, because he's in charge. And also <laughs> uh, so mad because the fool did something that he was told couldn't be done, mm-hmm. which I'm sure got way more underneath his skin. Than if anybody else had done it. I guess maybe with the exception of Fitz. (laughs) But either way, Regal is done with this whole Mm -hmm. nonsense and wants more power. His game with Fitz is done. Fitz is just a nuisance now. Yeah. And so Fitz must fight. And because he feels like there is certain death, I would assume, (laughs) he decides there's nothing to lose. So he opens himself up to the skill. And this is what we were talking about earlier, where because he has opened himself to the skill, he gives himself more power and more ability. And it says that he feels as though Hod's train, all of Hod's training finally comes to fruition through him. And he finally it finally clicks. He's drawing in power to his body and swiftness. And he is fighting 12 people at once. A second breath banished my body's weariness and pains. I reached out with strength to my wolf. Beside me, Night Eyes gave himself a shake. The rising of his hackles and the baring of his teeth made him twice as large. My eyes circled the swords that surrounded us. Then we no longer waited, but sprang to meet them. And Ahab mentions here that Night Eyes became a creature of speed, teeth, and fur. He's not trying to bite and hold. He's just trying to disrupt the fight. And as you said, Emma, with that disruption, with Night Eyes going in between all the legs and bumping people off of balance and everything like that, Fitz is able to hold his own and feel like he's an actual master deserving of that sword master's blade that he has from Verity. He says, I could not break out of the circle they pinned me in, but neither could they get past my guard to do more than minor damage says the odds were impossible eventually, but he was doing pretty well in that first round. He could force men back from the sword and step toward them, but in the next moment, he must turn to fight those who had closed behind him. So he could move in the circle to battle, but not escape it. And he does move quite a bit during this whole fight. 
Fitz continuously during this fight is telling Night Eyes to get away from him, to run and be safe. And Night Eyes is not really listening. Um, the he, he does dash off into the, the forest. Yes, but only to hide and come strike the people again. Mm-hmm. And he's doing really good. I mean, the soldiers aren't used to fighting an animal or anyone that is so short night eyes right. is like lower than their hip so they're not used to being on the lookout for that anyway and they can't be on the lookout for night eyes on the ground and be watching fitz who is like crazy good with the sword <laughs> at this moment so he's he's fighting all these men and he's doing pretty well holding his own with night eyes there because Night Eyes is making the men glare about wildly, wondering where he would come from next right. with all that dashing around. And then he says, even at the hottest of the fight, I knew the hopelessness of what we did. Regal would win. Even were I to kill every man here, Will included, Regal would win. Had already won for that matter. And had I not known he always would? Had I not known from the very beginning that Regal was destined to rule? I took a sudden step forward, took off a man's arm at the elbow, and used the momentum of the blow to call the sword's blade back in an arc that took the tip across the face of another man. As the two fell, tangling together, there was a tiny opening in the circle. I took a step into the brief space, focused my skill, and seized Will's insidious grip upon my mind. I felt a blade lick against my left shoulder as I did so. And so... Those intrusive thoughts there he knows are from Will's skill, trying to get into his mind, seed doubt, and disrupt him a bit. I remember first reading this and being like, what do you mean he'll win? No, he won't, because I'm really dead. (laughs) And then when he's like, it's Will, I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense. (laughs) But it's done so well, because it truly does feel... A flow of consciousness, kind of. Yeah, it feels like it's coming from him, and it does... It's it starts off making sense, right? Like this is kind of a hopeless battle, even with Fitz's skill. His power can't last forever, and there's a lot of people. He's got a circle of swords at him, so like it is kind of hopeless. But then it keeps going to like, even if I killed them all, it wouldn't matter. And Regal's always been deserving of the crown. And I think the hadn't I known Regal deserved everything is what pushes him over of like "Mm, these aren't my thoughts (laughs) (laughs) so he finds his way into will's mind goes through it deeper and deeper to find regal twisted into will like a drill worm in a deer's heart will could not have broken free of him even if he had been able to think of doing it and it seemed to me that there was not enough left of will to even form a thought for himself will was a body a vessel of meat and blood, holding skill for Regal to wield. Bereft of the coterie that had strengthened him, he was not all that formidable a weapon anymore. Less valuable. One that might be used and cast aside with little remorse. So, right there, again, it's a horrifying thought, but it does go to show that Regal will not hesitate to use all of Will's strength here. So Fitz has to fight on two fronts. But he's not really able to do so because he's using his skill to enhance himself to hold off all the blades. But he needs to use his skill to hold Will off, or at least Will's skill, 
that's wielded by Regal off as well or try to do something in that front. So he's kind of in between a rock and a hard place in a possible situation. Right. I think this moment also is really interesting because it paints this kind of pitiful picture of Regal. Regal has full control of Will, right? There's no question. Fitz is in his mind and sees that there's no way Will, even if he could form a thought for himself, would even be able to get out of this. And yet Regal still has doubts. There, I don't believe for a second that Regal believes that he has full control of Will. I'm sure Regal still thinks that Will is capable of betraying him in some way. And it's really kind of sad Like, no amount of power that Regal could ever attain will ever be enough because it will never be enough to assure him that he has the type of control he wants. Right. And that's so interesting to me. And I think just this picture of this pitiful parasite that Regal is of controlling all these other people. He has so much right now in front of him. And even that isn't enough. I don't know. I just... Even though he's a horrible person and I shouldn't feel pity for him right now, I do feel a lot of pity for him. Like, I don't know. What what a life to live where even with that much power, you're like, but I can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. But I guess if that's how what you're willing to do, why wouldn't you assume other people are willing to go that far to attack you? Exactly. So, I don't know. Sad. Yeah, sad. But... We're in a fight against him, so screw him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not pro-Regal, but <laughs> but I do feel really bad for him in this moment. And thinking about how his mother f- has failed him to raise him in this way, like, that can't be a fun way to live, is all I'm saying. Like, how would you ever truly enjoy a single moment if you're constantly spent thinking about how you're so much better than everyone else and also everybody's trying to kill you? But Fitz is trying to kill him. So <laughs> so they're fighting. And like you said, it's one or the other. He can either focus on Will or he could focus on the fight. And for the second time in the series, he decides to fight with the mind instead of the body. He's still deflecting some swords and things like that, but he just can't keep up. So he's taking slashes here and there and he sees the inevitability of everything. And once again, tells Night Eyes, get clear of this. It's all over. Like, I can't keep this up. And Night Eyes contradicts him, saying, It but begins, and launches himself at will. Fitz can feel Regal trying to flee again because a wolf is attacking his host that he's in, and Fitz just clamps down harder, saying, like, No, you're going to stay, and you're going to face this. Again, Fitz is still fighting all of these soldiers. Right. And he's jerking away from the blades and and has to lean to catch his balance on something and leaves a bloody handprint on a stone statue. Also, I do want to quick mention that I think the level of disgust comes from the fact that the wolf being that is attacking is a wit wolf. Yes. At least that's what Fitz is imagining and what he says. Somewhere, a wit wolf ravaged his body. I could sense Regal trying to unwind his mind from Wills. He probably somewhat feels the pain a little bit as well, connected as they are. So Fitz is desperately trying to keep him there and leaves that bloody handprint 
as he pushes himself upright again. It was Realder's Dragon. I had dragged the battle that far. And I do want to have a conversation about Realder's Dragon later on because it's just... We'll have a conversation later about it. Okay. <laughs> it says, I put my back to him, thankfully, and turned to face my attackers. So now Fitz has a little bit of a backing thing, so he's not going to be fully surrounded anymore. But he notes that Will and Night Eyes are still fighting, but also that Regal isn't as effective as he normally would be, so obviously his quote-unquote research <laughs> with the Witted Ones or Old Blood had paid off a little bit. So he's not as vulnerable as uh, he once would have been. He could not hurt the wolf with skill, but he could wrap him with layer upon layer of fear. Nadeiz's heart was suddenly thundering in my ears. I opened myself once more to the skill, filled myself, and did that I had never attempted before. I fed skill strength as wit to Night Eyes. For you, my brother. I felt Night Eyes repel at will, breaking free of him for an instant. Will used that instant to flee us both. I longed to give chase, but behind me I felt an answering stir of the wit in Realder's dragon. And the dragon awakens. And he's hungry. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a very interesting passage because this is a conscious choice and a conscious use of the skill and wit together here, which yes. we don't see very often. And he says he use, he gives skill strength as wit to Night Eyes. It's not something that I'm going to try to picture because I can't picture it because we don't have a clear picture of what the skill or the wit is or what those connections look like. But I thought it's a cool moment. Right. I picture it as like a conversion that these magics are clearly very closely related because it is able to be converted. And so, I don't know. Also, I don't know. I feel like, obviously, they have to be connected in some weird way because Night Eyes is able to use skill connections that Fitz makes to people to run across and attack them in spirit, not physically. So... I don't know. They're already somewhat connected. Again, I think that's uh, I think I mentioned this before, but I think that's only when people are connected or digging around in Fitz's mind because he can't do that when Fitz is in somebody else's mind. Sure. It's always when like Justin was digging around in Fitz's head and then he bridges the connection or right. to know, be fair. things like that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I was going to say, I mean, it's one and the same because if you're touching someone's mind, you're also they're touching yours. So, yes, but they it's had always, to make the connection first. I yeah, guess. it's always talked about like a kind of a projection, though, in my mind, like Night Eyes doesn't know where he goes when he skill walks, you know? Right. So I feel like Fitz, if Fitz isn't initiating the contact, he's not reaching out to somebody else. Night Eyes like knows what's happening in his head. But if Fitz reaches out, he doesn't know what's happening in the other person's head. Right. Fair enough. I don't know. It's a weird kind of thing like that. But yeah. So they kind of break apart. Will as Regal flees. Or Regal as Will flees. Yes. That would be more apt. <laughs> and the dragon wakes up. There's a cracking of branches and girl on a dragon lands. And 
Gallant Dragon starts to destroy the rest of the soldiers that are around there, or at least start to uh, fight them. Right. And as she is attacking, Realder's Dragon, as Fitz knows it, is awake and roars, which near deafens Fitz, which again points to the fact that they can make sound even though they're not alive. And they can't, they seemingly can't talk out loud. They breathe. They they do breathe, but they don't talk, which is weird to me. I don't know. It's whatever. It's none of, fine. None of the dragons talk. The real live ones don't either. Yeah, they do. Well, they converse oh, through your mind. Exactly. These dragons, well, I guess this they dragon does. They also converse okay. through your mind. <laughs> I guess I'm just mad because Verity is dragon didn't talk to Fitz while he was a dragon. <laughs> so He didn't try to wit talk to him at all i suppose because that would ruin the reveal here i guess (laughs) (laughs) night eyes asks if fitz is living and or okay and fitz is like i live night eyes as do i brother as do i brother and i hunger the wit voice of a very large carnivore old blood indeed oh yeah brother oh yeah and Night Eyes is like, feed then, large brother. Make our kills yours and welcome. That is Pack. Okay, so this part really weirds me out. Not that Night Eyes can hear him and talk to him, because it is kind of made clear that Night Eyes can talk to other animals. Like, animals yeah. seem to be able to converse in some capacity over the wit. But the fact that Night Eyes is just like, yeah, you're part of our pack. Let's go. But I guess it's like this giant animal. So you, if it's large predator, yeah, saying, you, you share. <laughs> hey, brother. It's like, yeah, you definitely are my brother. Definitely. For sure. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting that he so readily is like, yep, you're part of pack. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so this ruler's dragon did not have to be invited twice. And Fitz does remark on the appetite that they have. And. Fitz tells Night Eyes here, blood and wit, that is what it takes. Blood and the wit, we can wake the dragons. Blood and the wit, at the moment we are drenched in both. He understood me instantly. In the midst of the slaughter, Night Eyes and I played an insane child's game. It was almost a contest to see who could wake the most, a contest the wolf easily won. He would dart to a dragon, shake blood from his coat onto it, and then bid it, wake, brother, and feed. We have brought you meat. And as each great body smoked with wolf blood and then stirred, he would remind it, We are pack. I found King Wisdom. His was the antlered dragon, and he roused from his sleep, shouting, Buck! For Buck keep! Ida and El, but I am hungry. There are red ships aplenty off the coast of Buck, my lord. But they, they but await your jaws, I told him. For all his words, there was little human left about him. Stone and souls had merged to become dragons in truth. We understood one another as carnivores do. They had hunted as a pack before, and that they recalled well. Most of the other dragons had nothing at all of humans about them. They had been shaped by elderlings, not men, and we understood little more than of one another than what we, that we were brothers and had brought them meat. Those who had been formed by coteries had dim recollections of Buck and Farseer kings. It was not those memories that bound them to me, but my promise of food. I counted it as the greatest blessing that I could imprint that much on those strange minds. So King Wisdom is the antlered dragon. 
And even though he is shouting for Buck, I guess he's basically just a stone dragon that is hungry still. Right. It seems like the loyalty to Buck would have been a strong memory imprinted in him for yep. him to have woken up screaming it. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure Verity's dragon is going to do the same thing. <laughs> right. In the next thousand years when the yeah. cycle repeats itself. But I think it's really interesting to think about how these dragons are woken because King Wisdom would have had to wake them in the same way. Yeah. Which means King Wisdom was probably witted. Although I guess we don't know that King Wisdom himself awakened Right, he had a coterie with him. But he's in the dragon, so presumably he knew that he had to do that to awaken the dragon. And it made me think of how Fitz starts this whole section of waking the dragons off with old blood indeed. And it makes me wonder if back in time, especially during King Wisdom's time, if these old blooded people were revered and that they were super important and people knew that it was a good magic and it wasn't well, as looked down upon. I don't know, maybe not even revered, but just it was accepted. Right. You know, I feel like it was because the piebald prince story is pretty much, I mean, the huge turning point, at least right. for the the bad feelings towards old blood. And back in King Wisdom's day, I'm sure it, it must have been more natural or like amicable yeah because there's nothing really to say that they were as revered as like skilled users because skill users were still like the royal magic you know right still prevalent in the farseer line more so but it's hard to say but i i like to imagine at least personally that what you said is kind of true that they were just people who had a magic and they were just living and you didn't have to hide it or anything Well, just a thought. And I guess also that brings to the point of there seems to be more witted people than skilled people. But I also wonder if that's because wit is so much more natural that it's something that you just learn to do naturally, whereas skill seems like, yes, parts of it you do unconsciously like the wit, but it's to be able to do anything at all significant with it, you would need real training. Yeah, I I can agree with that second part that you said. I kind of disagree with the there are more witted people than skilled people, because if all the people who had an aptitude for skill were trained, I think there would be probably an equal amount or more of those. I think there's a part in the later series where I think Fitz reaches out with his wit and his skill and like touches all of the skilled people pretty much in Buck and there's like a bunch of them. <laughs> right. Well, I guess though. And they're all kind of confused like, hey, what's going on? I don't know what this is. I do wonder. It does seem like it's all a spectrum, right? So how many people are like Ketrakin where she is technically witted, but not enough to actually do anything. Yeah. Or, yeah. Be technically witted or like. There are people Both who can hear the skill. seem yeah. to have a, a variety of different kinds of aptitude or right. base talent for, the, for them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Either way, it is wit and blood that wakes up the dragons mm-hmm. and they are awake. Yeah, they start waking up and the fool comes over to Fitz as well. So the fool is 
has gotten off of Girl and a Dragon. And all of these soldiers are being hunted by the <laughs> awoken dragons. Yes. So they have a moment of respite here. The fool catches Fitz in his arms and hugs him hard. You still live. Thank all gods everywhere. She flies like the wind itself and she knew where to find you. Somehow she felt this battle from all that distance. He paused for a breath and added, Her hunger is insatiable. Fitz, you must come with me now. They are running out of prey. You must mount her with me and lead them to where they can feed, or I do not know what they will do. Nedai's joined us. This is a large and hungry pack. It will take much game to fill them. Shall we go with them to their hunting? Nedai's hesitated. On the back of one, through the air? That is how they hunt. That is not the wolf's way. But if you must leave, I will understand. I do not leave you, my brother. I do not leave you. I think the fool sensed something of what passed between us, for he was already shaking his head before I spoke. You must lead them, on girl and a dragon. Take them back to Buck and Verity. They will hearken to you, for you are pack with us. It is something they understand. And, and the fool's response here is, I can't. I'm not used to all this slaughter, first of all, but also, I've never imagined this for the future. I never saw it. I never read it. I never dreamed up any of this. And I fear that I may lead time awry by doing anything. This is the first real big moment where he's like, I can't act because I don't know if I'll screw up what I'm doing. Right. It's also interesting that he says that he hasn't seen this, that this isn't something that he's seen. I think this happens a couple times uh, throughout their history where Fitz's path takes them on, on uncharted territory, especially when Fitz, I mean, later in this same garden, revives the fool. Fool mm -hmm. never saw that happening, didn't see those futures. So I think this is definitely something that is part of Fitz being Catalyst, but as untrained as Fool is, it's hard to figure out what to do next because is this okay that I'm this involved? Mm -hmm. Am I not allowed to be involved? It's just very unclear. Especially with this paragraph that Fitz says right after. No, this is right. I feel it. I am the Catalyst and I came to change all things. Prophets become warriors. Dragons hunt as wolves. I hardly knew my own voice as I spoke. I had no idea where such words came from. I met the fool's unbelieving eyes. It is as it must be. Go. And again, we see that uh, sentiment repeated in the 20-man trilogy near the end, where fool is like, no, I'm, I'm going to die. And Fitz is like, no, you're not on the catalyst. Yeah. It's really interesting how... Every once in a while, Fitz really picks up this grandiose sense of, yeah, I'm the catalyst and I get to pick whatever I want, so I'm choosing this now. And then continues to spend the rest of his life decidedly not making choices. It's very strange. Like, oh, everything moves around me without my say in anything. Hey, I'm the catalyst. You're not dying. Yeah. <laughs> Time will go right and you will live with me. I don't care. <laughs> it's so interesting to me, this duality of Fitz. But in this moment, he doesn't seem to know where his words are coming from. And I don't know if this is like 
looking back, it's crazy I said this. Or if this is just a bluff, I don't know. I feel like this isn't some, like, spirit taking over, the catalyst spirit taking over and him saying a prophecy. Like, I don't think that's what this is. I think this is just, like, finding the perfect words and just not even thinking about it and saying it, which happens every once in a while to people so (laughs) he's very lucky that they were good words (laughs) and it convinces fool i mean fool decides to go without him well also with the urgency that's coming up because girl and dragon comes back over towards the fool lifts up her head and kind of says more is there is there more creepy mannequin asking for more bodies yeah (laughs) And, and fitz is like hurry he embraced me almost convulsively and shocked me when he kissed my mouth he spun and ran towards girl in a dragon. The girl part of her leaned down to offer him a hand as he, as she drew him up to sit behind her. The expression on her face never changed. Just another part of the dragon. To me, he cried as the dragons, to the dragons that were already gathering around us. The last look he gave me was a mocking smile. Follow the scentless one, Night Eyes commanded them before I could think. He is a mighty hunter and will lead you to much meat. Hearken to him, for he is packed with us. And off they fly. All of them. Yeah. I think this picture is kind of scary because I want, it makes me wonder if these people, elderling or regular Farseer descendants, coterie members, did they know that whenever they sealed themselves away into this stone body that whenever they are awoken, they would become killing machines that are starved and have to go looking for meat. Well, not meat because it's not like blood per se, but they take lives. Like that's how they feed. I'm sure the elderlings knew. Right. Coteries. I I don't know. It's just, and maybe it's partially because they have been asleep for so long. Yeah. That, they just need a lot of food to wake up. I mean, it's like hibernating, you know, right. And they're giant like creatures and real dragons seem to need a ton of food and to be satiated. That makes sense. I just wonder if they knew that this is the price that like, yes, your life gets sacrificed, but also then you continue to take others that aren't so willingly given. It's a circle of life. (laughs) And it moves us all. I guess. I don't know. It just something about this picture of all these hungry, ravenous, not real dragons circling and asking for more (laughs) just kind of creeps me out and kind of makes me sad. Because, like, would you choose if you could live forever as a stone dragon, but only be woken up with blood and then to stay awake? Nah, kill me, fam. I mean, like, you don't even get your individuality. I don't I don't I don't want to wake up after a thousand years. If I'm sleeping, like, let me sleep, please. I'll wake up if I'm if I'm not tired anymore. <laughs> but I guess I don't know. Like, I don't see a point, I guess, because you're giving into the skill and it's not as bad as if you like skill leave addiction your body behind. Yeah, I it just I don't see like a positive of doing this. I get that it's like... Well, it's an homage for the elderlings. Sure. It's helping out for the six duchies when they needed help, at mm-hmm. least for wisdom and Verity's sake. The other ones were probably just skill addiction. Literally, right. like, could not stop thinking of it because that was their only escape. Yeah. 
I mean, would you like if you were hopelessly addicted to something forever and you lived over 200 years, probably. Right. And it was literally killing you. And at any point you could lose your mind and become a drooling husk of your body. Would you not with your very connected brothers and sisters (laughs) walk up this road and carve something and become basically immortal, but lose that hunger for skill and rather just become a living creature? Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, like it's for them, it's, it was probably an escape and a way to leave a lasting mark on the world. You know, that, that hunt for yeah. immort- or immortality and legacy. That's fair. I guess it's probably a badge of honor, too, because not everyone can make those right. dragons. You have to be pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I guess the cost doesn't seem worth it to me, but. I also don't have an addiction to this magic, <laughs> nor could I make a stone dragon even if I wanted to. So, <laughs> Well, Fitz and Night Eyes watch these dragons fly away, all these jewels flying off to save Buck. He just kind of says, your dragons are coming, Verity. I told the man I had once known, the elderlings have risen to Buck's defense, just as you said they would. End chapter 39. Ooh, sad. I guess it's not like... Fitz is happy, I will say, right you now. You think he's happy? Yes. Uh, I think melancholy. Sure. I mean, he's always going to be sad in some, some aspect, you know? Sure. But we've chalked up worse chapters for him being happy before, so you I am know, going to say he is... Rel- like, maybe... Okay, so... I guess maybe this one can't be called happy, but like in reflection, I'll be like, this is a triumphant moment. You sure. Know? Definitely. There's only triumph here, but I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I ever get a moment like on the other ones I, that are worse chapters. I am chalking he it up at least has like moments where it's like he was happy for a second. I don't think in any second he's like exuberant or like happy in any capacity. <laughs> I think there are moments of him being like, well, this is life now. We don't get enough. There's not going to be happy moments at the end of this book. <laughs> I'm calling it happy right here. <laughs> I don't care. All right, whatever. I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for tuning in and Oh no, we wait, we have to have a talk about Realer's Dragon. I oh, said we yes. would. I so the last few episodes we've talked about this back and forth a little bit. I think I've brought it up every single time because I'm kind of confused about what happens in the later books and how it's kind of portrayed. I think I am firmly under the assumption now that it was a full retcon by Robin Hobb. Okay. I think that in the later books there is definite proof that girl on a dragon is realder's dragon mm-hmm. with like the the feather crown and everything like that i think the, the connections are just too strong for it to be not in that random dragon wants the crown for no reason just because right so i think in tawny man for sure girl on a dragon is realder's dragon it is definitely plausible that they're just mistakenly calling this dragon realder's dragon in this book right and that it the girl on a dragon was intended all along to be real to dragon. However, as we read last chapter, I believe, and you had yep. pointed out to me at the end of our recording, uh, girl on a dragon was said to have an all woman coterie. Yes. Which also doesn't technically rule out 
Realder being a part of that coterie because we don't know if Realder was a woman or not. Mm, actually, I was thinking about this because I had brought this up that maybe it, mm-hmm. maybe Realder's a woman. Um, Realder is given he him pronouns whenever mm. the fool is in their past selves. Says he okay. is going to give me a ride. Oh, okay, so. so yeah. So again, that just kind of reinforces my thought. Then it was a full retcon and backtracking by Hob that. The one in the stone garden was intended to be Realder's dragon, but it just made too much sense to use a past dragon already connected right. to the fool in that kind of um, that plot device for Tawny Man. Also, how else would they get their memories back? Right. Yeah. So kind of disappointing to learn that or to think that and be kind of brought there by conclusion because I don't love retcons. And there's a couple inconsistencies throughout this series. Like I think in the last trilogy, uh, I think Kefria is completely left out. And (laughs) I think Malta is like Althea's sister or something. I don't know. There's just like weird things that are kind of retconned out of live ship traders, whether those are mistakes or not. But I dislike hearing about them, but I think that is the actual case that Realder's Dragon was intended to be separate until it was convenient for Realder's Dragon to be also Girl and a Dragon. Yeah, so this is such an interesting thing because this whole time that we've been reading the book, I've only been thinking about the clues of this book and I've been really disagreeing with you Mm -hmm. and some people who have written in saying like, this is definitely real, like not realder. This is just a random dragon. Yeah. And especially with the mention of the girl on dragon salts coterie being fully female, all women. I'm like, okay, well, clearly it's not realder then. And... I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. But unlike you, I okay. whenever I find inconsistencies like this, it makes me really smug and also feel really cool that I figured it out. It feels like. Oh, sure. Yeah. Little things. I'm just I'm disappointed because of it's a big plot point. Yes. Later, you know, like, yeah, no, that's fair. No, I think it's like totally fine to be disappointed. I think some, like a lot of people probably feel that way, but like the way I look at it, it kind of feels like this puzzle that you've uncovered. That's like a puzzle within the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it's a secret thing that like, I don't, I'm not saying that Robin Hobb purposefully did this, but like, it feels like a little secret nod that only a real fan would notice you know and so in that way i really like when i find inconsistencies because it does feel like you're more connected to the reading because you found it like you know enough about the text itself to catch something that editors didn't right so like that's a pretty fun that's like a a a way i look at it that makes me feel really cool (laughs) i also do not at all think that this speaks ill towards robin hobbs skill as a writer because i mean she wrote 16 books of this series right so like and that happened in what like the ninth or something yeah so like things slip through the cracks it is not like i don't i don't think this is like a i'm not smug in that oh look at me i'm better than robin hobb because i saw a mistake that she wrote like she's a amazing writer and this this series you're just an obnoxious know-it-all emma (laughs) okay hermione (laughs) (laughs) but i just think I don't want to make people too bristle that the idea that I'm like over here, like, haha, that's so cool. We found something. But the reasoning behind it is just like, now we're all part of the secret club where we yeah. know it's we've, wrong. We found yeah. stuff like that before in the first book. And I remember you talking yeah. about like that too. So 
just a reminder that just because we find something that's wrong doesn't necessarily mean that Robin Hobb is horrible or that you have to be sad about it. It, does, it I don't know. I like thinking about it like we're all in a secret club now because we all know Rilder's <laughs> Dragon was retconned. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, th- there could be more evidence out there that I'm missing, but that is my my belief at this moment that they were two separate and then they became one. <laughs> right. So also there's like a ton of dragons in the next book, so I could see how a little detail like this would slip and slide. And there are not a ton of dragons in the next book. Serpents. There are serpents. Well, same thing. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, excuse me. Technically, no, <laughs> they're not the same thing. Honestly, the serpents in the next book almost ruined this series as a whole for me. It made me not want to read them. But hey. Yeah, you hate the serpent part. I do hate the serpent parts. I mm. grew to like them as the series went on, but like. When I first started reading, when I had to start with the serpents, I was like, Mm-mm, I don't want to read this. <laughs> yeah, you took a break for a while. Yeah. Well, we'll talk that we'll talk about that more in the what, next three book? episodes. Yeah. yeah that we published. So, well, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, our last episode of this trilogy of this book is coming up in a couple episodes here so please 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 send in any questions you guys have or topics that you want us to cover in that last episode talking about anything any theories that we might have missed in these in this whole trilogy any comments on these late episodes any plot points you want us to cover any theories that you have that you want us to discuss or any you know random little facts that you want to point out Please let us know. Email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com or message us or comment on our posts on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at isfitshappy. That's our handle for all of those places. Please let us know any of those. Uh, It'll be hopefully a fun episode. We can go over some of the, the whole trilogy. We have a that epilogue to go over where Fitz is an old man, an old thirty year old or whatever he yeah, is. Yeah, I know. Reading it, it's like, oh, he's got to be like ancient, and then you realize that he's only yep. mid thirties, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so not old. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. See you guys next week. I just have the strongest urge to start this with, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> but it's like that was such two a years dead ago. meme. Yeah, that was two years ago. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, all you. Oh, and someone's going to listen to this in like, well, hopefully someone will listen to this in like five years and be like, what is that from? <laughs> Never heard of that. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Hey, all you cool wits and skill kids. <laughs> nope. I can't even make it cool. Anyway. Hey guys. <laughs> and the awkward segue begins. It's time to talk about what you guys want to talk about, which is what you've sent in to us. First and foremost, I want to thank Vika for sending us some really nice fan fiction. Fan fiction. Okay. Thank you. Why can my brain not think of that word? You blanked for a good like 30 seconds. <laughs> That's all right. We got there. <laughs> Thank you for sending us fan fiction. We're very pro fan fiction here on this end of the podcast. <laughs> I know you are, especially I haven't yes. done much reading of fan fiction at all. Yeah. I, I started reading, what is it? Harry Potter and the Ration, 
rationality ones. I don't know, whatever. I thought that was really boring and not that great. It's so sad. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's so sad that you didn't get into it. I'm really big into it. I think it's so fun to imagine the characters in new ways. But It is, but I just like reread books that I want to reread and then I read other series. I don't know. I just never got into <laughs> fan fiction. I don't know. I guess I'm not a big book rereader normally. Yeah. Funny enough that I'm doing this podcast, but... I don't know. So I guess that's like why I like fan fiction more. I don't know. But either way, Vika did great. Um, thank you for saying yeah, that. Yeah, it was very nice. I liked it. And if anybody else has any recommendations specifically for Farseer stuff, <laughs> send them our way. I'll read it. I don't care. I find that fun. So thank you, Vika. And for the more regular content, we'll talk a little bit about some things that we, some discussions that were had on Facebook starting with some questions that Ellen brought up. Mm -hmm. So Ellen talks a little bit or asks a little bit about why the Red Ship Raiders would hold on to a 300 plus year old grudge. Definitely older than 300 years, but yes. Like that seems like a really long time to be mad about something that happened because as we all know, the Red Ship Raiders are supposedly attacking Buckkeep because they are getting payback for the Farseers for the original King Wisdom going in and forging their people. Yeah, that is the official excuse or official reason that is written down by Tom Badgerlock later. Yes. John also chimes in here saying like he had the same thoughts about the length of time to hold a grudge. And uh, Bastion also has some thoughts on this as well. And overall, I I think the kind of gist of it is that it was used as a justification, but wasn't the real reason because it is so long ago. It's more like a a reason to do it. Like, see, they wronged us in the past, but he just used it as a kind of gathering like Kebel Robred. I mean, used it as kind of like a flag to gather around. Right. But do other things that doesn't make sense because it was so long ago, but just use that as a reasoning. Right. And they deserve it. Right. And as John alludes to, and Bastion states, there is also the fact that most of the out Islanders don't actually want to fight with Kebel Robred. They're actually forced into it. So it's not even necessarily that that's their reasoning, but there is a core group of them that are saying that that's part of their reasoning. Yeah. And it actually kind of made me think of, this might be a little contentious, so maybe we can cut it out, but it made me think of how here in America, there's like a lot of contention around the Confederate flag Mm, and how, I mean, the Civil War in America happened 200 years ago. I don't even, are we even 200 years old? 250 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So. Whoa, no, 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 no. Hold we're like on. 250 years old total. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. 150, maybe 150, 150 sure. about. So that's something that happened a hundred years ago in our past. It's not that long ago. It's significantly less time period than when King Wisdom would have gone. Right. And there are still people who fight for their flag as something different or want to like stand by their heritage or their so-called heritage and try to kind of rewrite what happened. And I wonder if it's something 
in that vein of like, there's been enough time to distance the horribleness that your side probably did to start Mm -hmm. the fight. It's just a symbol then of like, yeah, it's just a like, okay, look at me, like, look what they did though. They destroyed us. So that's kind of how I think of it is like enough time has passed to where you don't know anybody personally who has been in the war or had been affected by the negative impact of being forged personally, but you've heard stories of it. And so you can say like, Oh, mm-hmm. look at how bad those people are. And and specifically for the out islands, they are a very, uh, story based society. Yes. Oral histories and things like that. So I'm sure there are a lot of histories and, and songs about those events. So they would have been preserved fairly well throughout the years, although changed. So there's probably, you know, like Fitz mentions, uh, don't, you know, be sad or mad about the minstrels or bards who change the facts about a story because they're trying to get the truth across. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure things and emotions have been amplified and changed in those stories. So there would be some sort of rallying symbol or cry for some core members to, you know, gather around Kevil Robred's ideology right. for that. And then that would just be kind of a symbol. Yeah, everyone's doing it because of this, when in reality, a lot of them were coerced into it. Right. Or maybe have a different reason for following. Mm-hmm. So John also mentions in here in response that it could just have been the setup for the servants right as a way to manipulate the rest of them so maybe a sentiment does wrong strong run strongly but kind of deep in a lot of islanders and the servants were just you know able to prey on that right and we don't know how long the servants have been planning this we know that they probably have, a long long time yeah, have unlimited resources and will do anything to profit so there's a potential that this whole time since the last war happened they have been stirring up right rife and making sure that nobody forgets yeah so i mean there's also that angle of like there are these benevolent or benevolent means nice right yes there are these omnipotent malevolent malevolent i don't know malevolent magic people who can see the future and are willing to do anything to profit kind of like regal and (laughs) are willing to stir the pot for however many years it takes to get don't complicate compliment regal by calling him magical (laughs) you know what he does have magic even if it's barely any true true but yeah, so I magical don't know. curls, <laughs> true, magically good looking. I don't yeah, know. there you go. Even d- despite how ugly he is on the inside, <laughs> Bastian's thoughts about this are slightly different, and he does offer a couple other options. Although, uh, does also agree with the ones that we were talking about with the symbol. So he also mentions kind of historically the overpopulation like most germanic people who took to raiding or settling in different regions could have been an issue for the out islanders and maybe that's also why you know that could also be you know maybe why taker came you right. know and, and resettled there could be some historical uh there could be some truth pulled from those historic stories put into this story right uh, into this book about why they they invaded 
Um, but I, I do think the servants and that being used as an initial rallying cry for his inner core, Kebel Robred's inner core. Right. And just kind of, you know, use that kind of fanaticism to force all the other ones kind of makes sense to me mostly. True. I do also want to say that I like the idea of the overpopulation being an issue because we know that in the islands there are limited resources because they are small islands and they mostly can't grow. I think some of them obviously have the warm patches where they can grow food, um, but for the most part they can't and they have to rely on the sea. So I could see that being why they, the farseers came to be that Mm -hmm. there was this overpopulation. I really like that thought process. Yeah, definitely. So thank you very much for the conversation topic. Yeah, it's very interesting. Ellen does have another comment on here uh, about this episode. This is, again, this is episode 103, chapter 37. And this one is about how Verity knew what to do. How did he figure out how to carve anything? What was his guidance? What were the rules that he followed to know that this would work? Right. And this is like such a great question because it also something that I thought as I was reading, like, where did he get the information? Bastion actually also has a really interesting answer to this. He mentions that like Fitz gained knowledge from Girl on Dragon, Verity could have done the same with Mm -hmm. his skill touch. Which is why he could also know that like there's no filling her. Right. That, that that whole like knowledge that his body has that Fitz mentions. Yes. And so I think that there's that aspect of he was able to touch girl and dragon and see the process that she went through. And it is alluded. He does Verity specifically does mention that it's a good reminder to him to not leave anything behind, which seems to hint that he did in fact see her try to leave. Yes. Part of her body is separate. Mm hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Bastion also says that, or reminds us that later in the Rainwild Chronicles, Rapskull says that elderlings did make the dragons, but they don't have very many details on how exactly it was done because as we know they like to keep their secrets and they don't want to give away trade secrets to just anyone who touches the skill stone so it is possible that somewhere in the city there is direction Rapskull just hasn't found it yet and to that matter maybe Verity already found it yeah, and that's how he knows. does kind of agree with one of Ellen's posited questions about it like did he find a memory stone somewhere right. that led him to that in Kelsingra. So it is possible that Verity found something through that as well. Yeah. I'm not inclined to believe that he knew or he found like a skill stone that told him how. Um, I think that he has too many gaps in knowledge for it to have been something that was left behind so purposefully. I think it's probably more likely that he just gathered what he needed to know from watching the girl on dragon memories. Mm -hmm. I think that I think that is a great explanation for it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you presumably the memory watches as they all go into the dragon and 
Fitz doesn't really pick up on it as much, but he also isn't looking for a way to carve the dragons. He doesn't even think that this is real or would work. Whereas, He's trying to put his memories in. That's yes. It. So I think if you had Verity, who is trying to figure out how they work, touching this, I think he would come at it from a different angle and would be seeing this as information yeah. to use. I can see the timeline kind of going because he mentioned he spent a lot of time in the stone dragon garden. Yes. Right. So trying to wake those up and eventually giving up and moving on to the last location on his map, finding the quarry and being like, oh, this is all skill stone and seeing this almost fully carved dragon and being like, wow, there's something to this. They carved these statues. Right. And then studying that and kind of finding out through there. And I think I still personally subscribe to the thought that the skill river would also fill in some gaps. It just feels like with a memory magic, laving your hands in it, even though he already knew what he had to do when he did that, he dipped his hands in the river. It would just fill in a little bit more of that purpose right. and those gaps there. So, yeah, especially with the chapter we just read where Fitz is, widening himself and opening himself to the skill and then being able to perfectly perform swordmanship duties. I feel like it's in that vein of Verity has opened himself to the skill and now understands what is needed yeah. to make this dragon. So in my mind, it's a little bit of some small clues that maybe he didn't put fully together in Kelsinger itself. Maybe pointing that these stone things are elderlings or that in his mind they equal elderlings and then going to right. the stone garden and being like oh these are the elderlings i need to wake them not being able to figure it out going to the quarry seeing girl and a dragon seeing her memories and like oh people carve them and yeah. bring them to life and then dipping his hands in the river to start that process and being like oh this is fully what that means let's right. go yeah, there is also something that we haven't talked a ton about um, that ha seems to happen to Fitz very rarely, although kind of a lot a few chapters back, where when Fitz is connected to the oneness of the skill, he all of a sudden understands everything and everything makes sense to him. And then when he is taken away from that touch of the skill he loses it in that instance where he no longer understands. And I wonder if with Verity permanently Similar. being touching yeah. to the skill, if that like understanding doesn't go away. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, but it's very good questions. Very good mm -hmm. thing. The thought process to think through. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And finally, we wanted to talk about some things that Bashan brought up on his own outside of responding to Ellen. <laughs> So the very first thing Bastion talks about that I want to talk about is Fitz's anger. So this is a question I brought up about understanding what happens when we give or when Fitz gives his emotions over to the dragon. Bastion posits, posits it as not something that Fitz will never feel again, but something that he's giving up on growing on. So there's this idea that Either you confront something and get over it, bottle it up, or go crazy. And Fitz is deciding not to do any of that. 
he is getting rid of it completely. So there's no growth. There's no overcoming. So he can still feel the anger. He still knows why he got mad in the first place, but there's no, you can't sit and ruminate and understand. You're not even bottling it up to build. It's just gone. You can't go crazy over it because it's not there. So it's a really interesting way to think about it as just casting aside, not even in a bottled up sort of way, but this is just something he can't look at objectively anymore because it's technically not something that happened to him is the way I'm reading (laughs) what fashion has said. But I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. And I really liked it, the phrasing of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's also comments about how not only would Fitz have reason from his own experiences to want to keep Nettle away from being raised as a royal farseer. But there's also Verity, who has literally given his body and soul and life (laughs) to the farseer throne, kind of against his will. Not against his will in the fact that like he had to be forced into it, but it is something that he felt he had to do because of his duty to the throne. And regular, everyday people don't have that. Fitz has had a lot of uh, examples in his life, including his own life, yes. about people living for their duty. Yes. And has seen how poorly that plays out for most people who do that. <laughs> but... Yeah, I thought that was a really good point. And it also talks about, he also talks about how dutiful is also burdened by royalty and how dutiful is severely limited in what he can do with his life simply because he's royal. So it's not necessarily an irrational assessment on Fitz's point of view that his daughter would also go through something similar. Right, yeah. Bastion does point out that, like, Fitz might be wrong in that assessment because she would be ruling during peacetime. Right. But if she was to become a royal, he wouldn't have a father-daughter relationship with her. Yes. Pretty much at all. Yeah, so there's definitely that takeaway of royalty not necessarily being all that it's chalked up to be. Yes. I, I mean, I'm of the opinion that he's overreacting a bit. However, due to the examples in his life, it makes sense for him to not want that for her. Right. Yeah. And also, it wouldn't be fair to Molly. (laughs) True. Yeah, no. Definitely the fact that Molly would be losing her child is also not a very good... Is a good enough reason. (laughs) Right. I guess, yeah. Yeah, so thank you very much, Bastion. Yeah. And thank you guys all for submitting comments. We always love hearing from you guys and seeing what you guys have to say. 